New Year, Spartan fans. Michigan State starts 2021 off right, picking up a massive win over the number 15 Rutgers Scarlet Knights on Tuesday night at the Breslin Center. How do they do it? We'll discuss that in more on episode 17 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion here with Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel on Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. Welcome to the new year, fellas. Uh, how was New Year's Eve? Did you, uh, did you both make it past midnight? I, I made it. I made it barely. It, we can upset that I that I made it. I think. Um, uh, if for anybody that didn't make it, it was it was pretty much what you expected, though. Yeah, same here. Barely made it. I really preferred not to. Out of out of than just fine going to bed at eleven o'clock. I I never cared for New Year's Eve. I think it's overrated. So, uh, bah humbug. Jeez, you guys are fun. I was up till two a.m. I, uh, I don't have kids, so I don't have to worry about that. You know, I don't have any responsibilities. But uh, I won. I was at a, a small gathering with mostly family, and uh, I won Best Ping Pong Tournament Organizer and at the Appetizer Award. So it was a successful night for me. Can't beat Congratulations. That. <laughs> <laughs> that award was combined, by the way. That was, it was a very specific award. Uh, but anyways, let's get into it. Uh, not, not any awards handed out, uh, this week in terms of Michigan state, but the Spartans did pick up a massive, massive victory. Uh, seemed like a season sort of, I mean, Kyle, I know you don't like to say must win, but it was a a season tilting win that felt like that they really needed to pick up. Um, so today on the pod, we're going to be discussing that impressive win over Rutgers. Uh, we've also got some more, uh, football player news as the transfers keep rolling in and out of Mel Tucker's program. Uh, we'll also devote a decent chunk of the show to listener questions and briefly look ahead to the Spartans revenge game against the Purdue Boilermakers on Friday night, uh, time permitting. Uh, if you could like rate and review this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, it would be very much appreciated. Uh, share it with your friends, tell the Spart, tell fellow Spartans about it. Uh, we just want to talk to you guys. We want to hear from you. Uh, you know, n- nice questions only. I hear, we hear from you guys enough on Twitter with the mean stuff. So uh, hopefully, you know, if you're sending emails, you can just, you know, be nice about it for once. Let's, let's turn over a new leaf in 2021, right? Let's be nicer to each other. That's, that's how I, I look at the whole thing. Too much, too much animosity on Twitter and, and stuff. So uh, hopefully we can improve on that. But Kyle, big win last night. You were at the Breslin Center. Um, the, the cardboard cutouts were going crazy. Uh, Izzo, <laughs> the Izzo was going nuts. Uh, Michigan State was doing Michigan State things again. Uh, so what are your takeaways from the Spartans' victory over Rutgers? Uh, I, you know, I think first and foremost, they remembered how to defend. Um, and that had been one of the most puzzling things about this team to me. I mean, not only – the three game losing streak, but, but going back a couple games before that, when they won, I mean, they, you think back to um, Notre Dame, like they held Notre Dame scoreless for like 10 minutes in straight. Then they went to Duke and held them to like 30, I think it was like 31 or 32% shooting in that game. And we're all talking about, Hey, one of the best defensive teams, you know, in recent memory, you know, they've got all these great perimeter defenders. This team really knows how to get stops. And then, it all just kind of fell apart. And I'm, I was never really sure why. Uh, I mean, Oakland came in and dropped 91 on them. Um, guards just seemed to be uh, thrashing right through their defense. And then obviously they didn't defend very well at all in that three-game losing streak. Um, so I was kind of wondering, are, are they going to get it back? Or, you know, are we seeing what they really were? And uh, maybe not that good because that was about as good as the defensive performance I've seen from Michigan State. But I, I expected – 
nights like that to be more commonplace. And, and I think if you're Michigan State, you hope they will because they were they were not giving up any easy shots. They were contesting everything. Uh, communication was good. Guys were in the right spots. Um, their perimeter guys were good, but then you, you had guys like Thomas Kithier guarding bigger guys and doing well at it too. Um, Willie Call, you know, both those guys on Ron Harper Jr. had a very tough matchup, a guy who they both gave up some some size to, and I thought they both handled themselves. Um, uh, you know, Rocket Watts looked a lot better. Aaron Henry is just doing everything, and we can talk more about him on both ends of the court. But that was the biggest thing to me is something clicked um, in the couple of days before that, and they remembered that they're a very good defensive team. Yeah, I mean, the, the talk coming in was, oh, how's Michigan State going to match up with Rutgers? You know, with the, with the four guards, uh, and I guess you could call Mathis as kind of more of a forward, but he's pretty much a guard wing type. And then you have Miles Johnson down low, and we're like, we're going to start Kithier and Hauser, and how is that going to – how are they going to match up in that situation? I mean, I was, cons- I was pretty – I kept saying before that Malik Hall was going to get a lot of run. That turned out mm-hmm. to be the case um, just because he's a little bit more versatile on defense, can guard bigger players and wings. Um, yeah, him and Kithier, I think Tom specifically pointed out those two after the game. I think if I, yeah. you were uh, reading your tweets. Just reading from your story about the game, the win marked the first time in more than a decade that Michigan State has held a top 15 Big Ten opponent to 45 points or fewer. Rutgers shot just 30% from the field after shooting at least 41% from the field in previous games this season. Uh, A team that entered the game uh, tops in the league in three-point shooting in the conference shot just three for 12. Yeah, I mean, that was was the impressive thing. I was really worried about Jacob Young. I was worried Mm -hmm. about Ron Harper. Those were the two guys who were most – I was most concerned about because of the way that Michigan State has given up perimeter points this season. Um, They did a fantastic job. The switches – you, it started last game with Nebraska, you know, the pounding the floor on like the first three possessions and it continued into this game. It, it, I'm pretty sure Izzo's been driving it home all week, but, but there's clearly been a recommitment to defense with this group. Cause I, and I'm glad because I was feeling pretty foolish talking about how this was one of their best defensive teams. I mean, you and me both were. Um, so it was nice to see them return to that form. It was, and I was a little dubious still after Nebraska because it's Nebraska, and I think they've proven they're pretty far and away the worst uh, team in the Big Ten. Um, but I, we weren't crazy. You know, you look at the pieces that they have, and, and they've got a lot of plus defenders, you know, especially on the perimeter. Like, Rocket Watts seem to have gotten lost there at some point, and who knows if the whole point guard experiment played something to do with that. But um, he, he has proven to be a very good defender, Joshua Langford might be a half step slower than he used to be, but I think he's still a plus defender. Um, Aaron Henry is, is there too. And um, for whatever reason, it just wasn't clicking. I, I do think that communication probably had something to do with it. Um, I don't think you take Xavier Tillman out of that equation and not lose something. I think people um, who maybe aren't there and watching Willie up close might underrate just his communication and how everybody was always in the right spot defensively on that team I I think that was Xavier and I think they had to kind of figure out how to make that happen after he left Um, so I think that they had some figuring out to do and they played some good teams and some teams that made shots but you know it was interesting to me um, that you know Izzo never seemed that freaked out about their defense and it seemed like you know I was you know pretty surprised concerned by it I know a lot of the fan base uh, was pretty shocked concerned by it um, and I asked him last night, I said, you know, you, you never seem too concerned about this. And he said, well, I wasn't happy, but I, I think he knew that um, they were just going through a rough patch and they had the pieces. And um, who knows? I, I mean, I'll temper it a little bit by saying I think Rutgers also 
missed some shots, and I think they they had something to do with it. Not make yeah. now. What, what did they miss? How many free throws did they miss? Shooting 30, three, 40 percent of what three for thirteen, I think. Was... Yeah, that that helps drive down the, <laughs> the the point total. But it was it was definitely a step in the right direction. A defensive performance like that is going to win you a lot of. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Rutgers play several times this year. I mean, th- that was the worst I've seen them look all year, uh, for sure. But, I mean, part of that was Michigan State's defense, I think. But they clearly mm-hmm. had an off night. They did not look good. I, they kind of looked uh, – just based – I have some Rutgers people who follow me on Twitter. They they were reacting the way Michigan State fans were when we played Northwestern. Just, just an all-around mm-hmm. – bad game now I think it's a little more acceptable to have a bad game against Michigan State than it is for Michigan State to have a bad game against Northwestern um but you know Northwestern improved sorry I'm not trying to hate on them but you know it's Northwestern it's not it's not Michigan State so that's I think it's a little bit different but the win did bump Michigan State up to 39 in Kempom I believe they were in the 50s before that so they got a nice little bump there um rotation wise this was obviously something that we talked about a lot uh, last pod where they almost had, and I think Jay Billis and uh, was it Dave Fleming who was on the call? I think they had Fleming. Yeah. Yeah. They had, they were talking about how Michigan state maybe has too many guys and to a point that they were right about that, where rotation issues have sort of been dragging everyone down where no one can get in the flow of the game. And even early in this game, that sub horn was going off non-stop mm-hmm. i thought it was gonna break like Izzo's over there like going line change like just switching them up on the fly trying to figure out who he wants to give minutes in this game aj hogard has definitely settled into that point guard spot and i think that's in part the reason that they've really turned this around just just taking the pressure mm-hmm. off rocket taking the pressure off aaron henry he's he's a true point guard who can get other people involved he's not perfect he's making mistakes um but it sort of settled everyone down and let them focus on their roles where while aj hogard just you know he, he directs the offense he's not cassius yet but you can see the kid has some moxie i think that you know him sort of settling in this point guard spot could really have a ripple effect down the roster I wonder if we're going to look back at the turning point of the season being Rocket Watts walking into Tom Izzo's office and saying, I don't want to be a point guard anymore, or I want to put the pause on this. And we shouldn't, I, I think I've, me included, we, we made this a little too much into a night and day switch. He's still out there playing point guard. Yeah, he's, like he's, he's running as the backup. Yeah. yeah, he's running as the backup. He actually played a lot of point guard minutes in the second half. But the point is that, they're trying to move him more to shooting guard. Uh, we got the chance to talk to him last night for the first time since all this kind of went down. And he just said, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm more comfortable at two. I can be better score at two. Um, and he just, it makes more sense. It, it gets Hogard in there. I think it helps their offense. I think it helps Rocket Watts. Um, and it, it's, it's gonna, um, I mean, they still got some kinks to work out. Uh, the rotations they've still got to figure out. But I, I, I think I can see – I couldn't see where they were going with Rocket. I could see what they were trying to do, but I didn't see them moving in the right direction. It didn't seem like they were making progress. Um, I see A.J. Hogarth making, making plays. I see him looking more like a point guard. I see Rocket settling in. It seems like they have a direction now, and they have a direction that seems to make a lot more sense to them. And it, it took them a while to figure it out. And, you know, they, try, they tried Rocket at, at point guard, and it didn't work for now. But I think – um, I think this is the direction this team's going to have to go. I mean, 25 minutes for a true freshman point guard at Michigan State. I mean, that, that's just – you don't really see that that much outside of an outstanding player. I mean, even even Cassius Winston didn't start as a freshman. So, I mean, like – No. I mean, but he, he had, should have, but he didn't. Yeah, 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 that was the whole <laughs> tum-tum thing, right? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 25 minutes, just three points, but six assists to two turnovers, uh, two steals, one block, chipped in two rebounds. 
You can't ask me. I, I, I love what he does. I love what he does on the fast. Yeah, I love what he does on the fast break. Um, I think he really pushes them ahead. Um, you know, he and he can get into the paint, get those get those defenders to to crash in on him, and then kick out for threes. Um, and uh, a, a lot of, I mean, it just looks so much more fluid out there. Guys are not the ball is not getting stuck at all. You don't have guys standing around with him. It, it just it looks like such better bat. And listen, the first half was still ugly. Last night, let's not um, 14 turnovers. Um, they they got to clean that up. Um, but it, it, they were going nowhere uh, with Rocket Watch at point guard and Big Ten play, which isn't all Rocket's fault, but um, they seem to have a little bit more direction now. So if Hogarth is the, is the steadying presence, Aaron Henry has evolved into the full blown star that Michigan State needs mm-hmm. him to be. Played 35 minutes last night. Uh, and, I mean, and, and when honestly, when he's not on the floor, the team looks worse. Like, they don't look like the same team. But he was 8 for 13 from field goals, 20 points, 4 blocks, 2, two steals. He had an assist, 8 rebounds. Um, just active on defense. He looks like the Aaron Henry that Michigan State needs him to be. Um, this I don't know what it's been for him to flip the switch the last two games, but he looks like a first-team All-Big Ten player all of a sudden. And finally, you know, because he's, he's looked like, he's looked like it so many times. And like, I, I've been waiting out, I've been waiting for him to kind of put it all together. And I'm no, every fan out there has probably been waiting for, for this. And you wonder why Tom Israel was so hard on him and why they had the Bradley blow up, not to keep going back to that, but I do think it is a seminal moment. You know, Draymond Green brought it up last night on mm-hmm. Twitter, if you noticed, or, or, or even after he has bad games, like Israel has always been so hard on Aaron Henry. And I, I think it's because he saw, you know, the sort of potential in him. And I think everybody has kind of seen it in him and they've been trying to get him to kind of take that last step. He, he kind of been on the precipice to me for so long where he'd, he'd be pretty good and, and he'd have a good game here or there, but um, he, what he was last night, he can be every night. Like he's that talented. Um, he, he's got the great feel for the game. He's playing outstanding defense. He's finally shooting well. I mean, that was the main thing holding him back too, is he, he couldn't hit a shot from three and, and teams were backing off of him, I think. And um, I, I think he's hit five threes in his last couple of games. So I think teams are going to have to start respecting him out there. But yeah, I mean, he, um, and he did what a leader supposed to do. They lost three straight and he came out and he played uh, probably the best game of his Michigan state career at, at Nebraska. Um, and I was still not ready to throw him a parade yet because it was Nebraska kind of like the whole team, but Heck, he came out against Rutgers and not quite as many points, but I thought he was just as good all around. And and when they were turning it over 14 times in the first half, he, he was the only guy doing much of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was hitting shots when they needed him to. He was making good plays defensively. Um, he, he's been very, very good for them. He, he like, so Aaron Henry, man, I mean, like, I remember when he came as a, came in as a freshman, he was like the least heralded freshman in the group. I think he was like Mm -hmm. a three star from Indianapolis, but he'd played under a very well-respected coach in a great program. It was like Ben Davis high school or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, but I remember hearing a a pregame Tom Izzo radio show and they were asking him about his team and all the freshmen. And he's like, well, actually the freshman who's probably most ready to play is Aaron Henry from a body standpoint, from a, from a game style, from a, a style of play standpoint. And sure enough, he was the freshman who got the most minutes that year. I mean, he was, he was in the rotation. That was the year with Goins and, and uh, McQuaid as seniors. And, I mean, he played mm-hmm. really, really well as a freshman. A little more up and down last year. But, you know, but to go back to your point, Tom Izzo has seen something in this kid from the jump. Right. 
Yeah, he has. And, and it started even before then. I mean, I remember they coming in the summer and that was, you know, Marcus Bingham was like the guy in that class, you know, getting around the four now. And um, three years later, guys, we're still waiting. Last one. <laughs> we're kind of still waiting for that to happen. But they, I mean, they were started getting pretty impressed with him in summer workouts. And I remember asking around and they said he, he played for this high school in um, Indianapolis, very big high school, ton of players. And they kind of play this old school kind of plotting style and, you know, the way I think his AAU coach kind of described it to me, not to take anything away from it, but it's hard to kind of showcase yourself individually um, in, in his environment that he was at. And he's very um, um, uh, unselfish. So he didn't put up big high school numbers. Um, and he, he doesn't do one thing that really kind of stands out that can really kind of catch a scout's eye. Um, so that's why he may be a little bit under the radar. Credit to Dane Fife and some of those guys for seeing him what he was. But Kind of the flip side of that, he doesn't do anything really well. Well, he doesn't have any major holes to his game either. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was true when he first got there. So, I mean, for a freshman to get on the court, you're mostly looking for them to not screw up, right? It, it, it's less about, you know, your upside and more about not screwing up. And, you know, he was a guy that from the start could do everything physically ready. Um, and, I mean, they're, they need him now. They're glad he didn't go to the NBA. I mean, I think – he needs to keep shooting it better because that's still, you know, the main thing I think he needs to prove. But if you can mm-hmm. shoot like he did the last couple of games, uh, you know, I, I think Draymond was calling him a first-round pick the other day. I, that doesn't seem out of the question um, if he can keep playing like this. Yeah, I mean, obviously he has extra motivation. He dabbled with the NBA this year. He mm-hmm. wants to go to the NBA. It's a pretty good bet that this is going to be his last season. So he yeah. wants to show everything he possibly can on the court. So, of course, he wants to win for Michigan State. He wants to win for Izzo. He wants to win for his teammates. But he also has that added motivation of, I want to get drafted and get a lucrative contract to play basketball for the rest of my life. So, and that's I mean, not a bad thing. No, no not at all. A good thing. No, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. good for, it's good I know. for all I, parties. I see, I see, I, yeah. Yeah, I see people kind of, you know, you know, acting like, you know, acting like that. Like, it, it could be mutually beneficial, you know, and that's what it should be. Of you course. Know? It's so. good for the program when players go to the NBA. Absolutely. Right. Um, so just one more thing I want to touch on on the rotation thing. Uh, we did get a question regarding Marcus Bingham, who we, we briefly mentioned there. Uh, and I know Bingham is a guy that you've been waiting for. You've mentioned him multiple times, but mm-hmm. uh, do you think the ship has sailed on Marcus Bingham for the time being? He, this person mentioned Sissoko has great length and block shots and rebounds. Marble is more of a physical presence, although he was out of the rotation last night and Kithier Hall and Hauser just performed better. So Marcus Bingham, man, he, we just mentioned him. He was the highest rated recruit in that class with Aaron Henry. We, he seems to have the physical tools. It seems to me like it's in his head for him. He the one run he got in the first half. It was, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And he just looked uncomfortable. Like what what is, what is up with him? uh, You know, uh, he, he got uh, what I kind of consider the the kiss of death from Tom Izzo last week, which is we're asking him about him not getting in. And Izzo said, well, basketball has to be more important to him. And, and once, once Israel starts insinuating that um, the effort isn't there on your part, then that's, that's a bad sign for your playing time and for, um, for how your season's going. And, and he, he had nicer things to say about him after that. But it's, we talked when he first came in about him needing to put weight on and get stronger because he's got all the height he needs. He's got all the length he needs. Um, and it just hasn't happened. And, you know, some guys struggle to do that. Um, but you talk about last night, he gets the ball a couple times. He got it right under the hoop with Dump it. the ball, he man. Can't go, <laughs> he can't go up and get the dunk. He either gets it stripped from him or, or can't – or just can't muscle his way to the hoop, you know. And, and you, under, you understood that as a freshman. I mean, it takes some guys time, but 
it's year three. Plays like that need to be finishing with dunks, and he needs to be – you know, there's another play where a rebound went right over his head uh, to Jacob Young, I think, on the baseline, and right as, the, right as the shot clock was ending, you know, he didn't go out and contest the shot and, and let Jacob Young hit a jumper there. You know, they, they're, they're, I just haven't seen the development out of him. He's still got the potential, but um, I, I think the question – you know, the guy – the questioner brings up a good point. I mean, Mighty Sissoko is going to take his minutes. Um, he's getting a lot better and he's in that same mold. He's got all the length in the world. I see him. I mean, he's definitely a lot more raw, but I see him out there playing very hard, running hard. Um, I love how he rebounds. I mean, he skies right up to the rim. He seems to take it right when he gets off of the rim and it, it, people who want my, I know people want Marty to play 40 minutes or something. It's it, not quite there yet, but, um, uh, it, it, it's definitely trending that way. I mean, I would say the clock is ticking for Marcus Bingham to really kind of start to show something because he is going to get faster. He, he got some, some minutes against Rutgers. I mean, he's still got a seven foot wingspan and that's going to get you on the court some at least, but um, pretty soon that's going to be, those are going to be more and more Marty's minutes if, if he's trying to keep up. I think. Sissoko needs to play more. He got in early in the first half, which was a surprise. He was like the second guy mm-hmm. off the bench, first big off the bench after Kith here. People were super pumped about that. I thought he performed well. He blocked a shot. He gives them that physical presence because he's got that wingspan too. I'd like to see him get more minutes, not like starters minutes, but more minutes. And if you talk about, you know, if Bingham doesn't have, if the effort isn't there, why is he playing ahead of Julius Marble, who's clearly shown effort and flashed at times? He didn't even get on the court last night. That's the other thing that people are confused That's, about. That was a weird one. Yeah, that was a weird one to me. I mean, I, it, it's, I mean, if you're going to be on him to trim the rotation, then, you know, it, it, that's what he's doing. He's trimming the rotation, and maybe be, people can disagree with it. Um, Julius Marble had a good Duke game. I don't think he'd done a ton since then. I, I'm surprised he, you know, was the one guy out. But trimming a rotation with a lot of very equal players, as we talked about, there's going to be some kind of tough decisions, and that seems like the tough decision he's made. And, you know, like I said before, Rutgers was very big and long, and um, – Julius Marble is not super long. You know, I think they want, I think they wanted length. So they went with two other guys there. Well, it was a good win for Michigan state. Uh, definitely for them to get their season back on track for the national perspective to sort of, you know, take notice. Oh yeah. Michigan state's still here. Um, so definitely a big one on Tuesday night, another big one on Friday at the Breslin center coming up against Purdue. We'll, we'll try and get to that a little bit later, but quickly let's shift to football, Matt, Matt, you're still here, right? Yes. Yes, oh, I am here. Okay. I took a Good. second. Yeah, I know. I was a little worried there. I was like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Uh, so, no, so, I'm just going over my, uh, my annual 10 predictions, revisiting those uh, oh. for the season. And, uh, Ouch. How'd that go? <laughs> uh, not so good. Uh, for example, if you, in case you guys don't remember, I predicted Elijah Collins to average 90 yards a game rushing. That was Oof. Oof. Um, no, How about it, nine I yards guess, a game? Did he hit that? He got. He actually finished with ninety total. So maybe maybe just, I was just, on. Just, 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 tell, just tell him you meant to say. You know. You yeah. Meant. Well, that's the joke I'm gonna make. So, that was a typo. Uh, it looks like it looks like I got of the ten. I got three right, one half right, and the other uh, ones wrong. Like the offense averaging twenty five points a game. What were the which is so right. modest? Yeah. What were the three uh, got right? One game, at least, at least one game would be canceled, which was like the no-brainer easiest one. Now uh, more than one quarterback will start. Uh, sacks fall below two per game, and the, those were the ones I got right. The ones I got, ha- the one I got half right was Jaden Reed would lead the team in catches and receiving yards. He didn't catches, but Jalen Naylor uh, led in yards. So, 
Yep. Well, well, speaking of receivers, uh, that was that was one of the you know it's it's the, firmly the off season for football for everyone except you know Ohio State and whenever they decide they want to play in Bama. Um, so, uh, but so it's player news right now. Players coming in, players coming out. Matt, I know you got your your handy cheat sheet there of all the I player do. the player movement. The latest for Michigan State wide receiver Trayvon Morgan transfers. That one was a bit of a bit of a surprise, no. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, of all the guys on the list of the 14 that have now entered the portal since November 16th, you know, some were moderate surprises, but, uh, and I think Morgan fits that category just because, you know, yeah, he didn't play as a true freshman, but he had had knee surgery. Um, I don't think he was ever even in uniform last year. And then, and then this season, you know, it took until late. It was, you know, his first career catch was, you know, what was it, 26 yards or whatever it was. It was a touchdown catch at Penn State. It was impressive leaping grab and double coverage. Um, and then he had one other catch that game. So he's, he's a guy that, you know, a lot of people have been asking about because he's six foot seven after the game, Mel Tucker, had, you know, spoke highly of him. Uh, he looked like a guy that could have, you know, a bigger role, especially as a guy you'd want to, you'd expect to see in the game in, in, in red zone situations. Cause you know, six foot seven is pretty hard to defend. Throw but, uh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, something was there and, and he's looking for a new school. So, uh, but you know, you also look at the fact that Michigan state has, you know, I mean, of all the position groups out there, receiver is one where you're kind of confident in what they've got with Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, um, and, and the other guys, obviously, you know, the freshman, he was a four member Ricky freshman White. class. Yeah. With Ricky white and, and Terry Lockett and, and these other guys. And then, you know, Trey Mosley's there. So, um, you know, tough rotation to crack, but, uh, you know, obviously uh, wish uh, Trayvon the best. Yeah, we'll see where he lands. I mean, it's it's kind of fun tracking these other these other players. Uh, I can't remember if we talked about Rocky Lombardi taking my advice and going to the MAC, but that was uh, – he should tear <laughs> it up there at Northern Illinois. Yeah, I, so since we last recorded, Lombardi <laughs> committed to Northern Illinois, just Lord Botang to Akron. So that's of the 14 in the portal – Five have picked new schools. Three are headed to the MAC. So, but you know these, you know, it's kind of expected. A lot of times, you know, when you when you enter the portal, you end up at a at a lower level program. And in and in terms of guys coming in, uh, they did. I, I remember we mentioned on the rumor mill that that Duke D end or D tackle Drew Jordan might be coming. That was a rumor we had both heard. Ended up being the case. Yeah, it was uh, Christmas Eve, I believe, that evening that he committed. So, um, yeah, I mean, it gives him, it gives them a, you know, a, a, a veteran at the position. Uh, looking this up again, yeah, he's he appeared in 48 games at Duke with 20 starts, 102 tackles, 15 TFLs, 10 sacks, four fumble recoveries, four fumbles. So this is a guy that you know obviously has experience. Um, you look, I think uh, Connor Hayward had uh, indicated on Twitter that the two played uh, middle, um, little league ball together. So. Uh, there's some connection there, but he's from Georgia, obviously. But uh, yeah, I think we, it, it, Michigan State's pass rush was was not very good this year. I was just going over this. They, you know, they finished with 1.7 per sacks uh, per game, which was 91st in the nation, their lowest production since 2016. Uh, and you know, Michael Fletcher and Drew Beasley led the team with only three sacks each. So uh, they needed to get a little better on the edge, and you know. Beasley said he's coming back for a six year. Jacob Panisuk insinuated the same. Fletcher will be back. You assume, uh, well, at least so far, Jack Camper would be a would be a, a fifth year senior. Um, and you know, Jordan obviously comes right into the mix. So, uh, yeah, I have 
notable addition, definitely. So with all the, the, the coming in and going out, some fans, you know, they kind of like to panic, right? They're like, why are all these guys leaving? Why, why is it this happening? I mean, we've talked about before how this would have happened before the season if it wasn't for all the COVID stuff. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But we did get a, a couple questions uh, regarding the offseason. Um, let's see. So this person says, in terms of recruiting, I think there is a limit to the number of new players who can enter a program in a given year. As people keep hitting the portal, will Mel Tucker be able to bring in enough guys in to fill all the vacated scholarships with guys he wants? Uh, and then sort of along the same lines, can you ask about the total 2021 numbers to include incoming freshman portal in mid-year transfers? Because with these guys coming back for the sixth year or the extra year, are there more scholarships available? Has the NCAA provided any clarity on that? What, what's up with that? Because everyone's uh, wondering, are we going to have 400 <laughs> guys on this roster? <laughs> yeah, so this is a little complicated. As far as the number of players you can bring in, technically it's 25. Uh, you can sign to a class, but without really getting into the – going jumping into a rabbit hole with talk about the hard cap and gray shirting and back counting and all that. I mean, let's just say 25 is, is basically what you bring in in each recruiting class. Um, oh, geez, what was the second part of the question? Oh, as far as the scholarship, so 85 85- – Man scholarship limit is the, is the norm. The NCAA is lifting that for 2021, but they haven't said anything about the future. So this is just, well, there's a word I would use that I, I can't use right now about what it would, what, yeah, it, what this looks like for the start future. Start with an S. Uh, starts with a C. But, I got uh, it. I know. I got it right away. I knew where you were uh, going. I mean, you don't, I mean, what, what the hell are coaches supposed to do? You, they need some direction because you give everybody an extra year because of COVID. That's fine. You lift the cap for 2021, that's fine. But what the hell is going to happen after that? If everybody has an extra year, I mean, it's – first of all, you got, you got seniors coming back that are basically going to be taking the place of, of, of some underclassmen that would, that would get a chance to move up, which would, couldn't create more uh, uh, guys jumping into the portal, and the portal's already jammed, and you have these roster management problems. Who do you bring back? Who do you keep? So after 2021 – the NCAA is going to really have to do something because you can't just go un- no, you know, no cap you know, or lift the 85 man cap for one year and then bring it back down because what's the, what are you going to be able to recruit to in, in the 2022 class? It's just, it, it's a giant mess. Uh, I don't know what, how else to explain it. So the NCAA is going to have to come in and do something about that. As far as uh, the, the question pertaining to Tucker yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you get 14 guys going to the portal. They're, you know, four so far committed to, to Michigan State coming out of it. Um, that's going to – Mel's going to fill the roster. There's, there are not going to be scholarships unused. Let's put it that way. Um, he'll get guys, whether he gets everybody he wants um, coming from the portal, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. There will probably be guys that he wants that uh, choose to go elsewhere. But he will fill the roster out. Um, they've been working on this, obviously, for a while. And then as far as the question on what the total number he's looking for in the 2021 class, as far as um, the recruiting class and and commits coming in from the portal, Mel was actually asked that on signing day and said there is a number, um, but he doesn't feel, he felt it would be a competitive disadvantage to reveal that number. So um, (laughs) obviously they know what the number is, what they're looking for. Um, He's just not going to tell you, but we'll find out eventually. Um, You know, they still have one, uh, committed player who didn't, who hasn't signed in four star uh, tackle uh, defensive tackle Rayshon Benny. Um, I would be surprised at all if they if they add a couple more in the traditional February signing period. So 
Um, we'll, we'll get that number at some point in time. And then we also got a question here about, uh, you know, how Michigan State's recruiting classes stack up. Uh, they're not, I mean, I think, let's see, uh, 44th is what 247 has it at and Rivals has it at uh, 30, 36. So, I mean, right, right around or a little bit lower than where they're normally at. I would expect those numbers to improve under Mel Tucker. Um, I mean, we don't really need to get into it. This person mentions how we can compete with Ohio State. Uh, the, the short answer is uh, Michigan State will never compete with Ohio State when it comes to recruiting. <laughs> so, and they, I mean, it's just, that's just facts. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, I mean, maybe, should I not say that? Do you think it's possible that Michigan State can ever recruit on an elite level in football? Uh, not at that. Not at the Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson level. It's just it, – it's not going to happen. I just – I don't see it. Um, yeah. Let's yeah, see. Yeah. So, for example, this is just, you know, and again, this was a, it was a rough recruiting class for Michigan State given, you know, the coaching change, the, you know, COVID, the, the dead period that will never end and all that. So, uh, Ma'a, this is the third podcast in real we've done this, Na'a or whatever. It, you got to learn this I'll before give, spring I'll, camp, Matt. I'll, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll, give, I'll get better at this. Um, so, he was listed as the 105th four-star Hundred and fifth player in the country, hundred and fifty-fifth overall player in the country, according to twenty-four-seven uh, composite. Ohio State, for example, has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen players ranked higher than him. Wow, That's okay. Just an example yeah. of, of the, the, this time of the year always reinforces to me just how little parity there is in this sport and how yeah. far and away better the best three programs in this sport are than everybody else and it's a little depressing yeah um, it's a problem it's, yeah, I, I think it's getting worse it's getting it's a, a problem worse. it's getting yeah. worse because they won't expand the playoff if you put if you expanded yeah. it to eight at least you would have eight programs that could be like look we're on the biggest stage at this point right. you basically have six programs competing for four spots that's a whole different conversation we don't have time for it right now we can talk <laughs> about it in the future when Ohio State beats Alabama what is your uh what, you, what is your national championship prediction quickly I'm gonna go with the Buckeyes I feel like they're they're peaking at the right time I'm taking the upset I think the Buckeyes already peaked by beating Clemson and Ohio and Alabama has been all focused on you know winning that title so I, I think uh, I think Ohio State will come down a little bit and I'll take Alabama I'll take Alabama definitely uh there's just so much talent on that team it's ridiculous we get three of the five uh top voters vote getters in the Heisman Trophy <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and Devonte Smith, the receiver, did win the Heisman Trophy. We should quickly mention that. That was that yeah. was good to see a, a receiver win. I was down he with got, that. He got my first place vote, so he was. Uh, he's been just incredibly impressive this this season. And if you remember, which I had forgotten until I was writing this yesterday, he was the one who caught the the national championship winning pass in overtime. Um, in the seventeen final against Georgia, I completely forgot that was him until yesterday. So. Who are your second and third? Uh, I had Trevor Lawrence second and uh, uh, Mac Jones third. All right. Well, quickly here, let's transition back to basketball. Michigan State has a uh, – I keep calling it the revenge game against Purdue because last year they got their butts kicked in West Lafayette, 71-42. to 42. Uh, there was they were potentially setting up for a rematch, Kyle, last or last year in the tournament. If Purdue mm-hmm. would have beat Ohio State, they might have matched up again. And I was hoping to see that because – that was probably Michigan State's worst game of the year last year. They just got absolutely blitzed. I remember it was 
like on a Sunday at Purdue, a noon CBS game. It was ugly. It was bad. It was their first Big Ten loss. The season worked out fine. But at that point, it was kind of like, holy crap, what the heck's going on here? Yeah, when they were terrible at Minnesota this year, everyone's like, this is the worst game in years. And I said, do you remember at Purdue last year? Because that was was pretty bad, too. Yeah. As far as Purdue, they're actually ranked 38th in Ken Palm right now, so one spot ahead of Michigan State. Um, So on paper, it's, it's a good balanced matchup. Purdue, I've seen them multiple times this year. They haven't really impressed me. You know, their their best mm-hmm. wins are probably against Ohio State and Maryland in the Big Ten. They blew a big lead at Miami. They've got a loss to Clemson. Uh, they did beat Notre Dame as well, but nothing too special here. I think the main guy you need to worry about here is their big man, Travion Williams, who is a kid from Sterling Heights, who I know Tom is a loved. And every time I watch this guy, I, I just see – I just want to see him in a Michigan State uniform. <laughs> like, he it, looks it, like an ISO it, guy. It's surprising he's not. And I don't remember them recruiting him really hard um, at the time. But, I mean, he's a, he's a Michigan kid who plays like that. I mean, they need a low-post-scoring presence right now. So, it's kind of surprising that they let him get away like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Purdue's had a pretty tough schedule. Um, I'm looking at it right now on Ken Palm. I mean, they're, the last four Big Tens have been Iowa, Maryland, Rutgers, and Illinois. And they dropped three of those, but those are three pretty good teams they lost to. Their um, game against uh, Nebraska was postponed on Tuesday. We should say last okay, night they yeah. were supposed to play. Um, yeah. But, you know, went over Maryland, went over Ohio State, went over Notre Dame. I think they're probably a little bit better than their record says. Uh, I would expect them, uh, once their schedule lightens up a little bit, to, to maybe put something together. I, I, you know, obviously Travion is going to be a load. Um, they're going to have to throw multiple guys at him. Uh, beyond that, I, I just think they're really young. Um, and they don't have a lot of experience, and I think you're going to be pretty up and down and probably struggle for consistency. Uh, they've got, you know, looks like three, four freshmen that are really seeing some level of significant playing time right mm-hmm. now. So um, probably a bit of a transition year for them. Um, you know, not a great shooting team. Um, uh, going to rely a lot on, on Travion, probably a little bit one-dimensional. Um, so we'll see. But, I, you know, I, I, the way Michigan State played against Rutgers, I think it, a game that they certainly should and could win at home on. Purdue's already a a limited offensive team so Mm -hmm. if Michigan State can play the type of defense that they did against Rutgers I mean this should be this should be a win no question yeah it should be but it'll be a different defensive challenge though because you're gonna have to you have to put a guy in Travion but I think you're gonna have to get a lot of other guys involved too it's gonna be a team defensive effort Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to have guards digging on him you're gonna have to decide when you're doubling him um, uh, Rucker certainly had its players challenging too, but I think that's going to be a different sort of animal to tackle there. Time to unleash the Sissoko, Kyle. <laughs> they got to throw him down. It, on the... it wouldn't surprise me. I, I was joking last night with uh, with Miles Johnson. I mean, the, the the defense on him was just hack the dude, make make him go to the yeah. line. I was yeah. I was joking. You know, send uh, send Stephen in there. He got five fouls, sharp elbows, man. Just go at it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that, 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 Rutgers was brutal from the line. It was a great strategy. Hacka Johnson. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think we could see Sissoko. Maybe we see Marble a little bit in this game because he's a big physical guy. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. he should get whatever minutes Bingham was getting. You sure as hell don't want to put Marcus Bingham on no. Travion Williams. No, no. He, will, he, will, he will be on roller skates. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, that's it. Friday at 7. We got a Friday game. This Friday stuff started when, when I think Fox took over the package for the Big Ten, mm-hmm. and they threw these games on Friday on FS1. Like, that never that used Friday to happen. Games, they're on Mon- they got Monday games, which used to be only ACC, and now they're playing Monday nights. I'm, I'm all screwed up, man. I'm all screwed yeah. up. 
definitely not your your grandpa's Big Ten or even our mm-hmm. Big Ten when we were, you know, young whippersnappers staying up past midnight <laughs> on New Year's Eve. Uh, but uh, Kyle, Matt, uh, appreciate your insight. Anything else you want to add before we sign off here? Uh, no, I think I think we covered it all. MLive.com slash Spartans. Get the, get the plug in there. Check us out on MLive. We got all the coverage there. We never stop covering Michigan State on MLive. These two are all over it all the time, and I, and I like to write about stuff when they let me. So uh, <laughs> we, uh, we're having a, a good time here on the Spartan Confidential Podcast here on January 6, 2021. First show of the New Year's in the books, fellas. Uh, nice work. Appreciate your insight as always. Uh, please like, rate, and review the podcast. Check out all our coverage on MLive. Uh, we would very much appreciate it. Send us your questions so we can answer them on future episodes. And until next time, thanks for listening and go green.